It was a warm summer's day in the middle of summer. <laughs> Two podcasters were getting ready to record a new episode, see? The podcast was called Bad Movie Sunday, see? <laughs> Not the best accent, um, because the podcasters don't know how to do that uh, murder mystery black and white sort of accent, see? But they're trying their best out here. So, <laughs> welcome. Boys and girls, hop on all aboard the the Orient Express, because we got a murder to solve here on Bad Movie Sunday. I'm going to transition into my normal voice because I I don't know what that was. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing is is what that was. Well, Um, thank you for lying to me. Uh, welcome to Bad Movie Sunday. My name is Ashley. My name is Amy. We are Bad Movie Sunday. We're a podcast that watches bad movies, so you don't have to. We roast them. We toast them. And we have a lot of fun. Today's movie, um, I doubt a lot of you have heard of. If you've read the title, you know it's called No Clue. And uh, if you could tell by that little intro, um, it's a mysterious murder mystery. And it's Canadian, which is probably why none of you have heard of it. (laughs) But that's Uh, okay. They revealed that in, like, the last scene, and it made me love this movie that much more (laughs) for it. Yeah, there are a lot of little hints. Um, He drinks Timmy's a lot in a a lot of scenes. You know, just just a little tribute to, uh, to Canada. And for all of you who haven't heard of the movie No Clue, um, I do have a little summary here from Google. And it says, when a beautiful woman bursts into Leo's office looking for help finding her brother, he fails to mention he does advertising and the private investigator's office is across the hall. (laughs) What a brilliant pitch. Like, what a brilliant pitch. You know, the reason that I was drawn to this movie uh, at first and why um, I wanted to do this for our fun season is because just from that description alone, it sounds like the kind of like murder mystery movie that I would write or I would want to write. (laughs) Yes, yes. I don't know if we mentioned this on. Well, we probably have on previous episodes, um, but you did write a movie pretty much with this very similar premise to this in, in high school. Yeah, it was just kind of like a worse version. My my movie, or it was a play at the time. Uh, it was just kind of a worse version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I feel like this is like a, a lower budget Canadian version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in, You're in some so ways. You're so right. You're so <laughs> right. It literally is. <laughs> um, which and is I, a great movie in itself. So um, it seems the pitch has... Um, it, it's it's a pitch that works throughout throughout time. Yeah, and I feel like already we're gonna have very different opinions on this movie. Oh, but I no. would, whether you like this movie or not, um, to anyone who's who's um listening, I would recommend watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, maybe before you watch this movie, if you're just going to watch one of them. But, you know, to each their own, we're going to go over this movie scene by scene and break it down for you, give you some of the details of this movie. So if you are going to watch this movie, No Clue, then you probably want to stop right now, 
go watch the movie and then come back and hear our thoughts later. Um, but for anyone who doesn't really care about spoilers, we're just going to get right into it. So before we get into the scene by scene of this movie, we have a drinking game to make this movie a little bit more enjoyable. Amy has a specialty shot prepared, and then we're going to go back and forth and say our points to the drinking game. Okay, I'm I don't know what to think about this drink because I have honestly never heard of it before in my life. Anyways, I think it really fits uh, this movie right here, and it's called The Cheap detective i'm Mm. not sure i don't think it's a shot i think it's a cocktail but i'll give you the ingredients in case anyone at home wants to make it and um we can uh go over our drinking game after but for the cheap detective what you're gonna need are two ounces of saint germain or elderflower cordial um one ounce of cynar Interesting. I don't think we've ever had a recipe before that has cyanar in it because I've never heard of it. Uh, you're going to need three quarters of an ounce of Campari. Also never heard of it. And one wedge of grapefruit. So what you need to do is stir with ice and strain into a coop. OK, so this recipe has a lot of words that I'm terribly unfamiliar with. Stir with. A- OK, so I guess what they're saying is combine all of the ingredients, stir with ice, strain into a glass, and then garnish with a grapefruit wedge. That made a lot more sense. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. That's a great point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what they were trying to say. Kind of dumbed it down for y'all. You're welcome. And now I only have a couple points to the drinking game. I don't know what you have, but we can go back and forth so that you can either drink that drink that Amy uh, just provided to you in layman's terms, if you want to make that, or you can, you know, uh, make make your poison, whatever you want for yourself. Um, so the first point I have for the drinking game is every time Leo, who's our main character, says, okie dokie. Oh, man, that's a good one. Okay, my first one is every time he, or I think he's the only one, but anytime anyone in the movie drinks tim hortons you know you gotta love it it's gotta be gotta show off how canadian the movie is every time you see someone with a tim hortons cup in their hand of course um i have every time someone calls leo a private investigator and he doesn't correct them Ooh, another very good one um i only have one more and it's every time leo breaks into or sneaks into a building very good. Okay, I also only have one more, and it's every time Leo... I have every time Leo gets information from Danny. And that's it for our drinking game. If you want to make the movie a little bit more enjoyable, you can drink along either to our podcast or to the movie. Otherwise, we're going to get into this movie, break it down scene by scene, shot for shot, uh, right now. So this Google summary kind of spoils the first... Uh, five or so minutes of this movie which is fine (laughs) um but I okay the first like five minutes of this movie is kind of obvious that Leo our main character is not a PI but also you don't quite get that until the second scene so there's like a little bit of tension there where you're like he's he could be a PI but also he's like kind of awkward yeah, so it starts off with our main leading lady. Her name is Kyra. She goes into Leo's office. 
um, she tells him all of this information all at once, and he doesn't really have a chance to correct her drink. Um, and basically what she says to him is that her brother is missing. He's been uh, she try- she's been trying to contact him for a couple days. He hasn't been answering his phone and she hires him to help solve the case. And and it's done in such a way that Leo doesn't or can't or is so confused that he um, he doesn't end up telling her that he's actually like a salesman and he says he he sells like mugs and pens and whatever and she thinks that he's a private investigator and later they agree to meet at a bar to like kind of go over the details of the case and about the details of the case because this is important to set up at the beginning because some of the details get kind of convoluted later in the movie so Kyra who's the blonde girl that comes into Leo's office her brother, Miles Servin, is missing. And Miles is a video game developer, a very, like, famous, sort of prestigious video game developer. Um, he made this really, really popular game called Curse World. Um, and he works for this company called Glass Key, who is the company that developed Curse World, the game that he made. So, first things first, Leo's, like, I guess I got to take in, I got I to take on this case because blonde lady is hot. What else am I supposed to do? So he decides to take on the case. And the first thing he does is goes to investigate the brother's house, which is mega trashed, blood on the floor. Not looking good so far. Yeah. Oh, he he decides to take on the case because a she's hot. And also, I think as he's about to like tell her, you know what? I don't think I'm the guy for the job because I literally only sell pens. She's <laughs> like, I I can pay you like five hundred dollars a day. Is that good? And he's like, mm, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> and that's that's also kind of why he he uh, takes on the case. So yeah, he goes to um, Miles's uh, house, uh, the guy who went missing, her brother, and he kind of gets freaked out and um he calls Kyra and tells her that Miles is dead and then they meet up at this motel room and for some reason she tries to seduce him (laughs) I didn't understand what was going on yeah Kyra as a character starts off as kind of like a typical sort of dumb blonde archetype where Leo obviously is this kind of awkward sort of like if you've seen any 80s movie what the nerd of the movie sort of looks and acts like um and you know there's this like hot blonde lady coming in and she's he clearly likes her and she clearly mm, cannot tell but this scene is a little weird and I, I think we'll talk about it later um in terms of some of the reveals that come later on but I would have liked the scene to come a little later because it is kind of weird. The energy that she gives off is like, oh, you're going to help me now. And he's like, I'm going to help you now. Um, whereas before, it was like her, her her motivations kind of changed. I thought that was a little strange for this scene. But he like totally takes it in stride. He's like, well, guess this is happening now. And he continues <laughs> on with the investigation. So the next thing he decides to do is talk to his best friend, who is Packer from The Office, <laughs> who shows up in a couple scenes from this movie. Um, and he decides to ask him, because his friend is a really big video game fan, um, about the game Curse World that Miles made. Um, turns out, though, that 
the game is not actually made by Miles's company. You know, Packer from the office, he takes out the game and on the back of the packaging, it says it was actually made by a different company called V5, um, who I did. <laughs> I did write in my notes um, that it was the same thing. It's the same name as that um, vegetable drink, which I now realize is actually V8. And that is <laughs> not correct. <laughs> Their, their company is so versatile. They have vegetable cocktails, those tomato cocktails that nobody drinks, and Gross. also video games. Hell yeah. Exciting Ooh. weekend. Brought to you by V5 slash V8. <laughs> video games of vegetables, maybe? Imagine a, I wonder if there is, like a <laughs> Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales, the video game. Video Ooh. Tales. Oh. Veggie game. Ooh, <laughs> well, ooh. veggie game. Pretty good. Um, was I the only one as a kid that like did not know the Veggie Tale was like this super like Christian thing? <laughs> I I don't think I've watched even like a single episode of of Veggie Tales. Oh I had no interest in vegetables, eating them, watching them <laughs> on TV. Um, so I just skipped over that entirely. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick to. Um, my fucking dinosaur shows, whatever. I don't even know what I, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. Clubhouse. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Have you seen VeggieTales as a kid? What's I, it like? Yeah. As a kid, it was like VeggieTales was just like these talking vegetables that like were a pirate one episode, and I was like, yeah, you know, uh, arg. <laughs> like I don't. Eh. But like, <laughs> I if the point of VeggieTales was to entice kids to eat their vegetables and also be Christian. <laughs> N- like, neither of those worked for me. <laughs> they really mm, just <laughs> missed out on both marks, huh? <laughs> wow. I watched... Okay, VeggieTales as a kid, I had, like, a couple of the movies. Um, and I, I, It might have been a TV show, I don't remember. Um, but I would, like, watch it, and they would be, like, kings and queens or whatever, and then the next episode they're on, like, a pirate ship doing the little pirate adventures, singing the Wellerman, you know, how it goes. Um, But I watched, like, some, I can't remember who, there's, like, a YouTube commentator channel that was talking about watching VeggieTales now, and the dialogue is, like, not what I remember. I remember them being, like, like, the... (laughs) backyard again just be like yar we gotta get the treasure matey <laughs> but like watching it back they're like we have to find the treasure for god <laughs> like, oh oh well that's <laughs> not how i am anyway <laughs> um oh. the company is not v8 um and does not endorse veggie tales it is in fact called v5 so honestly that's pretty good they dodged a bullet there um <laughs> So V5 turns out is this other kind of rival video game making company. So Leo goes to investigate the office of the V5 company. (laughs) Um, And he talks to this guy called Nelson, who he learns is the ex-boss of Miles. There's a lot of like, uh, you got to keep track of it. We'll keep track of it for you because we, you know, we watch movies, so you don't have to. Um, But there's a lot of sort of relationships that you have to keep track of while watching this movie. So Nelson, who is the CEO, I guess, of V5, was the ex-boss of Miles, who's the missing guy. So Miles used to work at this company called V5, left to create this other rival video game company called Glass Key. 
Um, but this Nelson guy is acting kind of like almost too nice about Miles. Um, Leo's like, you know, this guy, Miles, your ex-employee, um, he's missing. And the guy's like, oh, my God, I loved Miles like a son or whatever. Um, and Leo's like, OK, whatever. But then this other employee, Danny, comes up to him after overhearing Leo talk to Nelson and is like, yo, that's kind of a load of um, poopy doop. That is not a true um, they, they were at each other's throats. They hated each other all the time. Um, also Danny, the employee, uh, he's the boyfriend from Schitt's Creek. So that was cool. There's like some random little cameos in this movie from oh, yeah. uh, you, other sitcoms. You know, it's a Canadian movie. Uh, it's got, it's got, what's his name in Schitt's Creek? Um, Alexis's vet boyfriend um <laughs> and also the main guy who plays leo in this movie was in corner gas another canadian show that i never watched apparently though if you like corner gas a lot of the reviews said that he plays like literally exactly the same type of character oh. um as as in that so if you like him in this movie or you like him in corner gas just watch just keep on watching his filmography because I feel like he he's the kind of guy that plays the same person um, literally in, in everything. Perfect. I thought he did such a great job in this movie just pulling off that like awkward nerd character. I thought he did. Oh, I thought it was perfect. I may, I may go check that out. Um, but with this movie, he's starting to kind of get all these clues at this point because Schitt's Creek guy <laughs> is saying that the ex-boss Nelson and Miles were fighting over video game rights the entire time that Miles was working at this company. So Miles left to start his own company, Glass Key, which is the next place that Leo decides to go investigate, which is Miles' uh, new company. But it's not just Miles working there. He has a partner or like a co-CEO with this other guy called Horn. <laughs> like, just, like just a horn. <laughs> Um, toot toot, bitch. <laughs> toot toot. So when Leo talks to this guy, it seems like he pretty much knows nothing. He he didn't you know know that Leo was missing, and neither does his daughter Reese, who it seems like was like uh, Miles's ex girlfriend or something. Or she she's kind of like obsessive about Miles, like almost stalkerish. Um, Reese. And Miles definitely had some sort of relationship going. You get that sense at this point. But that's kind of all the information that Leo gleans from these two companies. So he decides to take a break after this. And he goes out to dinner with Kyra. Um, but in the middle of the dinner, things kind of start to get pulled in different directions. Because things start to get kind of, kind of weird at this point. Because Kyra gets pulled away from the restaurant by this, like, big like assassin looking guy who knows her he like calls her by name and then he pulls a gun on her but don't worry because uh she turns it right back around on him uno reverse style and beats him up like a ninja and leo sees the whole thing go down yeah through the bathroom window she just like pulls out these fucking black belt karate fucking moves flipping him over her shoulder doing kicks flips tricks 
um, the whole damn time. And uh, he's just like, what the fuck is going on here? Because I thought she was just like some innocent lady whose brother went missing and she knows nothing about it but now he's kind of starting to sense she's got a little more under the surface that i need to like i i need to see what's up also uh before we get too far i do want to mention a few clues that were dropped along the way um so in the motel room before near the beginning when she tries to seduce him for like no reason um (laughs) she mentions something about collectibles like oh he he looks under the the bed in the motel and he's like, oh, that's cool. You have like this super rare comic book, um, hockey card and license plate or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I I love to collect things, even though there's like only one of each. But anyways, um, and then so that's that's gonna come up later. And then also, um, in the last scene when he snuck into oh drink when he snuck into uh glass key to like kind of talk to Horn, um, who's the business partner, he he kind of um, gets led into Horn's office by Horn's daughter. And he's like snooping around Horn's office and he finds this list of like random names and he doesn't know what their names of. He's like, are these people? Are these companies? Are these games that the company is going to make? Like he doesn't know yet, but he, he has that uh, clue in his back pocket. Yeah, so he's got sort of all these clues accumulated at this point, but he doesn't quite know where to take it. He's got a couple more people that he needs to fully talk to to get the whole story. So he decides to investigate the stalker girl, ex-girlfriend Reese, who he met at that last party. Um, And while he's talking to her, she kind of lets slip that Miles didn't even have a sister, like, at all. So... Leo was already suspicious of Kyra at this point because, A, she randomly decided to uh, seduce him in his hotel room for no reason. That seemed kind of like a manipulative move. Um, And also she, like, beat up that random dude in the alley and now he thinks she's, like, an assassin said to (laughs) kill him or whatever. Um, So, and now when he finds out that Miles didn't even have a sister, he doesn't even know who she is at this point. But at the same time, the ex-girlfriend is acting uh, also kind of like really shady herself, especially around this particular type of cigarettes that she's smoking. Um, So he decides to track down those cigarettes, which leads him to an old hotel where he finds the guy who Kyra just beat up standing over Miles's dead body. (sighs) So this just went from a missing persons case to a murder mist. Well, well, is there a mystery? He's literally sitting <laughs> over the body. Um, and we also find out that this uh, kind of assassin guy is working for Horn, who, again, with the relationships in this, Horn is or was, I guess, Miles's partner uh, for the Glass Key Company and also the father to Reese, who was Miles's ex-girlfriend. Damn. Okay. Um, very so complicated. Very complicated. All the, you know, webs of relationships going on here. So uh, Miles is dead in this hotel room. And this crazy assassin guy is standing over his body. Leo manages to escape right into the clutches of Kyra. Um, 
who he thinks is going to kill him. But it's okay, because she explains that she's not actually an assassin. She's just a thief. And she was hired to steal a hard drive. They don't totally explain the hard drive thing, but I assume it's it has like a valuable video game on it or like the most recent game that Miles was developing or something. Um, she was hired to steal a hard drive from Miles. Uh, but when they go back to the body, Miles's dead body later on, the hard drive is missing. It's not there. Yeah, the mystery continues. Also somewhere along the way, he finds out that Nelson, who was the boss at the company that Miles used to work at, his wife, Nelson's wife, died in a car <laughs> accident, which seems like like a very shallow lead to chase because it has nothing to do with anything. But it does, I guess, come back at the end. So it's important. And also he like makes his friend um, Packer from the office. He's like, can you look this up for me? As if it isn't like the year 2013 or whenever <laughs> this came out and he could like Google it himself. Anyways, so he's like, um, look this up for me. And uh, Packer gets back to him. He's like, yeah. Um, Nelson's wife was killed right outside of the, I think, right outside of the V5 building um, in a in a car accident. She got hit by a car uh, and died. And he's like, OK, interesting. Um, anyways, nothing to do with anything. Bye. But thank you. Um, so then he has that information also. And then later he goes somewhere else to like Leo goes to like his own ex's place of work to look up who owns glass key um and then while he's there he stumbles on this like list of businesses and he finds the names from the piece of paper that he found in horn's office and those um random seemingly random names on that paper are actually names of holding companies which i don't know what that means um apparently <laughs> it's something very important though so he's like oh damn the the pieces are coming together and i'm like i don't know what pieces but you do you <laughs> there's some sort of pieces you know the puzzle is laid out there's some that are just like blue just sky you don't really know where they fit yet um, but you've got a couple pieces together. The ones that are like super obvious that make like a person or a house or whatever. You got those in place. So. Um, because they now know that this assassin guy is working for Horn, who is Miles's partner in the company that they ran together called Glasskey. Again, the relationships. So because they know that they're the ones sort of behind everything. Leo and Kyra go to track down Horn together, but they find out that he doesn't even have the hard drive that they're looking for, which they thought that he stole off Miles's dead body. Um, and also they confess that they didn't they weren't the ones to kill Miles. So Leo calls the cops on them and they get arrested. And then when Leo is talking to Kyra after they get arrested, here's where we get kind of the rest of the puzzle fit together. Here's where we get the big reveal of exactly what the hell is going on with this movie. Stay with me while I try to explain this. So, the V5, five, not eight, <laughs> the Veggie Tales guy, Nelson, <laughs> who was Miles' ex-boss, he's the one who hired Kyra, the thief, to steal this hard drive from Miles. 
you got this girl. I literally, <laughs> I had no clue uh, what was going okay. on. So <laughs> I had to watch this scene like three times last night. <laughs> also, Miles and his partner in his company, Horn, they were working together to screw over investors. But that went wrong when Miles died, obviously. Basically, just in a... In in the easiest terms, both I and you can probably understand, is that they decided to hype up the new game that they were making together to get their stock super high. And then they were going to stage Miles's disappearance to drop the stocks again. Um, and then Miles and Horn were going to buy up all the stocks again at a crazy low price, put all their money into the holding companies, which are basically companies that aren't real companies. It's basically just a sneaky way to stash cash. Um, so they were going to put them into these other little companies they made so that the money can't be tracked back to them. And then Miles was supposed to return, make everyone happy. The stocks would go back up and they would be super rich. I, <laughs> I OK, I got to say, this is like the only movie that I would kind of give a pass to the big reveal being stock trading <laughs> like imagine if you imagine if you ask like um like john wick why he's going on his little murder <laughs> revenge spree at the end of the big dramatic climactic scene and you're like did did the bad guys kill someone you love i noticed that there's like this dead dog in the corner is it because of that and john wick is just like no it's because <laughs> The high table stocks are too high. I can't afford a <laughs> can't afford a mutual fund anymore. <laughs> imagine, okay. imagine if you ask like Darth Vader why he wants to take over the galaxy and it's just like Obi-Wan fucking sniped me at the Galactic <laughs> Trade Market, man. You bought up the last stocks and death sticks. <laughs> like <laughs> Okay. Just okay. I I'm still confused about this. So okay, just so I and maybe half the audience can understand. Is this kind of like, have you seen the movie The Producers? No. <laughs> okay, basically in that movie, it's about these two people who produce uh, theater play. They they produce musicals, right, um, for theater. And they say, oh, you know, I did the math and we can make more money off of a flop than off of a hit because when you get the investors to invest in your stuff um i don't know i actually i have no idea but it's something like when you get the investors to invest in your musical if it's a success you have to pay them back but if it's a flop mm. you don't because you're not making any money is it kind of like that i'm still so confused it's neither of us are very business money savvy people <laughs> um but i think it's kind of yeah something like that i kind of think of it more like um like you know the people that like house flip kind of or like uh like if you go to a garage sale and you find something there that's you know actually super valuable but the person is selling it really low then you buy it at a low price and then you sell it yourself for a really high price so that's what they were trying to do but instead of you know they were trying to rig the garage sale it looks like um because their game was set to do really well because they're both really well-known game developers and everything 
So they knew that the stocks in their company, the money that they were going to make was going to be super high. So they were like, well, we could make even more money if we kind of flip this on its head. So if we basically sabotaged our own company to make sure that the stock, the stocks are all super low, then we can rebuy our own money really low and then sell it again for basically twice as high um, when Miles was supposed to come back um, and uh, everyone was supposed to have faith in their company again. But obviously it didn't happen because Miles died. <laughs> um, okay, got it. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I got it, I guess. <laughs> it is mad confusing, <laughs> especially if you don't know anything about the stock market like us. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, like any other movie, I'd be like, the stock market? That's the big reveal at the end. But in this movie, I was like, uh, oh my god, it was stocks! How could they? <laughs> <laughs> but we, the thing is, because that's the, the thing is, this was the plan that Miles and Horn had. But obviously it went wrong because Miles died. So there's this other mystery going on of who done it? Who killed Miles to mess up this plan? So here we got another reveal. Well, stay with me again. This is part two of the reveal. <laughs> so, um, Schitt's Creek guy. Remember him from before? He was the one who worked at V V VeggieTales. <laughs> uh, he was the one that worked there and was kind of feeding Leo little tidbits of information. He's like, you're the boss. You should look into the boss. You should look into the ex-girlfriend. You should look into whoever. Um, and we thought he was being super helpful, basically, the whole movie. But he was being maybe a little bit too helpful because uh, Leo deduces at this point with his fantastic pen salesman, not PI, uh, investigative skills, that he's been setting Leo down all these red herring paths. Um, and turns out, he was the one actually doing all the work and being all the the idea guy basically behind all of Miles's uh, successful games, including the one that he was going to put out. And that while he and Miles worked together, this is so confusing, while Schitt's Creek and Miles worked together at V5, Miles kept taking credit for all the things that Schitt's Creek was doing. Um, so he felt a little resentful about that. Because, um, you know, he wanted credit for the work that he was doing. Um, yeah. And also the thing before that kind of fits in here that um, he may have been the one to hit Nelson's wife with his car and killed her. Remember that whole random side story? <laughs> um, so they arrest Schitt's Creek um, and everything's hunky dory, right? We solved the mystery. The guy went to jail. Well, maybe not. Um because in the scene where they arrest him, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I did hit the wife with my car. And then they're like, you're going to jail for murder. And he's like, well, I is that murder really? I didn't mean. To. And they're like, no, not her murder. Well, yes, her murder, but also Miles's murder. And he's like very adamant that he didn't do that. He's like, I didn't kill Miles. Very adamant that he only killed the wife, not Miles. And it doesn't seem like he's acting. So you're kind of like, did they arrest the wrong guy? Is it is he just like kind of like a sociopath and he's just like really good at acting and he doesn't want to go to jail for this extra murder? Um, but no, he's 
actually not the one who did it. And uh, the real killer is immediately revealed in the very next scene when the stalker girlfriend, Reese, shows up in Leo's office and basically confesses uh, right away, being like, yep, I killed I killed Miles. And Leo's like, why? Um, and we don't totally get a why. Something like Miles upset her or he didn't reciprocate her feelings or something. Um, but she's the one who killed Miles. And she's about to kill Leo, too. But, of course, Kyra, the, like, insanely good fighting thief assassin girl, <laughs> um, she shows up at the last minute, saves the day. And they arrest Reese as well. And it ends on this kind of, like, hopeful note for Leo and Kyra's relationship. Because they've been sort of flirting-ish the whole movie, um, but nothing has really come of that relationship. And they don't do anything at the end. There's no kiss, there's no whatever, but they end flirting as well. Um, And it's kind of like they may date in the future, they may not, we're not totally sure. But they are friends. And And that's that's, the end of the movie. Yep. And then it it ends with these um, nice end, uh, this animated end credit sequence which kind of goes along with at the beginning there was a an opening sequence that was also animated kind of also had kiss kiss bang bang vibes <laughs> um i gotta say that was pretty good the uh, animation and the music like the the little jazzy like detective music throughout the movie i like that yeah agreed the um the opening credits are kind of in like this comic, half like comic booky style and half in like this noir detective style. And it works really well. Agreed. The jazz music fits with it perfectly. I mean, I think we got to get into our thoughts about this now because I'm very curious to see if your thoughts align with mine. I don't think they do from the way that you've been talking about it. I think we have opposite views on this movie, which is very rare for this podcast. So we'll see. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Um, okay, before I get into my thoughts, I just, <laughs> I just have, like, a couple of quotes that <laughs> I, I wanna, I just wanna bring to, uh, our, our audience's attention for a second. Um, so the first one is, Leo is, I think, just at his own house, and he's watching this, like, fake, a detective movie on TV and it's 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 got those accents that you were doing fabulously at the beginning of this episode yeah. um and basically what the detective in the fake movie that's playing on TV uh what he says is I'm going to give your boss a snootful which <laughs> um <laughs> okay <laughs> and then um Later on, I have no idea what the context of this next quote is, but Leo, just to drive home how awkward he is, at some point says, thanks for the shizzle, my frizzle. (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, the last one is a tiny bit of a roast, and I do think we have, like, very opposite opinions on this movie. Um, at some point, I think near the end or something, when when Kyra's uh, helping him reveal like the whole mystery, I don't remember exactly what they were talking about, but she says, uh, "Oh, oh, maybe maybe it's about him pretending to be a private investigator the whole time." Because um, she, oh, another reveal is she knew that Leo wasn't a private investigator, and I still don't understand why. I don't understand. 
understand a lot of things in this movie. I have no clue about anything that happened in this movie. But she does reveal that she on purpose went into Leo's office instead of the private investigator's office at the beginning. Like, fully knowing that he wasn't a private investigator. And I still don't know why. Um, but, but about him acting like one, she says... I don't think we'll be seeing you winning any awards for acting anytime soon. And I I know you liked his acting, but I was like, you said it, girly. Like, well, <laughs> okay. But yeah, okay. Um, that's Those are all the quotes I have. I, I want to know what your thoughts are. What are your thoughts? Let's let's go um, go through the, the good the good stuff first. Yeah, okay. Um, I do, just because I... Uh, watched this movie last night I do remember why she didn't want to because also the entire movie um Leo keeps saying well I your brother's like missing your brother is dead why don't you just go to the cops and she's very adamant about no cops uh like Edna mode no capes no cops so uh, she mentions at the end why she's been so hesitant on um, allowing cops to get close to this case and also why she specifically went to Leo, the guy across the hall from the real PI, was that she thought that Leo would be easier to manipulate than a real PI and also a real PI because it's their job to find out stuff about people. Um, he would probably find out that she is a thief and get her arrested, which she didn't want. Um so she wanted okay. someone that would be sort of help her, but also would be easy to drop or manipulate really quickly. Okay, that makes sense. Because, and okay, um, this is just a tiny little criticism um, <laughs> before we get into the, the good stuff. Um, I didn't really understand a lot of the explanation for things in this movie like like in the second half of the movie he goes to all of these places and he's investigating all of these things that are so not important to the investigation until literally the reveal and he doesn't really explain why he's doing these things like he's going um looking for like these specific type of cigarettes or matches or something that uh, Horn's daughter uses. And I'm like, why? And then he <laughs> asked uh, his his friend Packer from the office to like investigate Nelson's wife's death. And I'm like, why? You literally like, that's not what you're in. And, and then it doesn't really explain those things. But I'm very glad I have you here with me today to explain the fucking <laughs> movie because I did not. Maybe that's a part of the reason why I didn't uh, like it as much as I, I thought I would because I didn't understand anything that was going on. Yeah, that's fair. A lot of the reveal scenes I had to kind of go back and rewatch uh, a couple times, especially with the whole like stock trading thing. I was like, y'all gotta repeat that again. Um, so I get that. I do. Um, let's okay. I want to talk about some of the positives about this movie because there were things that I there were things that I, you know I didn't like, uh, but there were some great things that I did. Um, first of all. We mentioned it at the beginning, uh, the the pitch that's kind of like similar to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where someone gets a mistaken identity and has to go along with it. Um, I thought it's, it's so it's so good. It works every time. Um, and I got to give like massive, massive props to the writers who I forgot to get their names of. Hang on. <laughs> oh, well, hang on. I, I have that right here because oh Brent. 
um, Brent Butt, who stars as Leo in this movie, also wrote it and produced it. So he's like triple oh threat over here, writing, acting, producing. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's also why people say his uh, character and his style of comedy are very similar to the ones from Corner Gas, because mm. I think he wrote a lot of that, too. But I could be wrong. Well, I got to give him props for it, because I at least loved the writing of this movie I was the jokes were so good and like so subtle like okay this movie if any of you have watched Gilmore Girls the comedy reminds me of Gilmore Girls so much because it's not sort of a typical kind of in most sitcoms you know you get joke break for laugh joke break for laugh and this movie is very similar in the dialogue and the comedy as a show like Gilmore Girls, which is very fast paced, like ridiculously fast paced. If anyone has seen Gilmore Girls, you know that it is, God, they talk so fast in that show. Um, It's like, it's like joke, 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 joke. And you kind of like, don't really have time to process it, but also you do. And it like, like by the time you process one joke, there's like another joke coming. I don't know how to describe it, but it is exactly like that. And I really like that style. I think it worked really well in Gilmore Girls and it works really well here where it's just like it's, you know, in some comedies, there'll be jokes that don't quite hit. And you're like, that was a dumb joke. And then you have to have that awkward break for a laugh that is not coming because you didn't find the joke funny. And then it just makes that scene a little bit more awkward. Whereas this movie, if you didn't find a joke funny, they breeze past it. And there's another joke in the next second that you'll probably find funny. Um I loved the jokes in this movie. They were like, they weren't over the top. They were subtle. They were dialogue focused. Um, there were a lot of like play on words. Um, there were a couple like video game jokes in there. It was just, it was really, really excellently written. And I think that the actor, what's his name? Brent Butt. He really, really sells it too. I may have to go watch that other show you were talking about because his like fast talking, awkward character, I think worked so excellently in this movie. Um, and the writing and the jokes just like, mm, it all came together so fantastically. That's my opinion, at least. I don't know if you have a different take on him. <laughs> Okay, girl. Well, I'm glad one of us is going to represent the positives. I do. Okay, I want to say up front, I super duper respect Brent Butt for writing, producing and directing a movie because that's like fucking hard to do one thing. One of those things in a movie to do all three is like, I got to give him props in terms of his comedy style. I don't know. I, I feel like I felt like the opposite of what you were saying, where his his sense of humor is kind of I don't know how to describe it. But when he introduces a bit into a scene, it lasts the entire scene and it gets old kind of quickly. And he because this is kind of like a take on a on a noir movie, he everyone around him is kind of playing it serious, like, oh my god, my brother just died, blah, blah, and he's the only one in, like, most of the scenes who's cracking jokes through, like, every conversation <laughs> while everyone else kind of, like, plays it cool, and then uh, they don't, like, respond to his jokes, so it, it seems like his jokes are ignored, uh, which makes it seem like there's no chemistry between the characters, or, like, the characters aren't listening to each other, and, like, he's having his own separate conversation. I don't know how to describe it, but it, it feels like there was such a a disconnect for me because I'm like, 
you guys aren't talking to each other. You're just saying information to each other, but you're not like listening because because he'll have like a joke and then he'll like keep bringing up the joke throughout the rest of the conversation and I'm like she's like not listening dude you you gotta drop it and I, I don't know how to describe it but anyways we do have a segment on this podcast where we kind of say what we would have improved if we were Brent but in this situation and we were the ones writing uh producing acting even directing. I don't think he directed it, but if we were in charge of this movie, what we would have changed uh, to make it a little better? And just to kind of dive into that for a second here, dip my toe in the water, I feel like maybe the role would have been suited to someone else with like a time, like just time, like a little bit of a different style of comedy. And I had someone in mind oh. and I, I, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but let me explain, right? Here's <laughs> here's what I think. Here's who I think should have been Leo in this movie. I um I also have someone in mind, so I'm going to see if it's the same person. Oh, <laughs> oh thinking. my god. I would be I okay, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So I think Jason Bateman. I <laughs> Oh, okay. You know what? Not the same person I was thinking of, but that would work. Okay, before you say your person, I'm just going to give you like a a reason why yeah. Jason Bateman. Cuz um okay, Jason Bateman's style of of comedy is is like deadpan and sarcastic, and the way he delivers the joke is he kind of uh, kind of mutters it under his breath and then he moves on and I love that he doesn't like <laughs> stick with the same bit through the rest of the scene he kind of just like does it and then he lets it go and also this is exactly the kind of character that he's best at playing he he's the every man who like gets sucked into this situation that he doesn't want to be in and that he's very out of his depth in and I don't know I, I feel like he'd be really good who who did you have in mind Andrew, okay, I do agree that actually really works. Jason Bateman, um, I think at least the role I know him best for is uh, Michael in Arrested Development, where he plays a similar character, the sort of like the normal one amongst the group of eccentrics, um, where, yeah, he's sort of making fun of them under his breath. I think that that is actually a really good cast. I might go in an opposite direction to that um, and kind of... <laughs> I don't know, like play up the jokes a little more. Um, I'm so we like never do this. We never have opposite views on stuff. This is like really <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, I might go totally opposite. Okay, I would go like Simon Pegg. <laughs> I'm thinking, and oh. let me have my reasoning for this, okay. right? Okay. Because as I was watching this movie, maybe not in the execution, but at least in the pitch, I think this movie is like a real contender for it like it fits well with the style of the Cornetta trilogy where it's like you take a genre and you kind of parody it or subvert it or turn it on its head like you know uh, Hot Fuzz is a sort of parody of buddy cop action movies I think this one is kind of like not super a parody of like noirs but it was definitely a more comedic take on a noir i think this movie like the whole pitch of say you made this a cornetta movie 
um, where you had either just Simon Pegg, who I honestly think could carry this movie on his own, or you pair him up with Nick Frost again. Um, And you have the two of them as just like random no ones who fall into this PI role and they've got to sort of bluff their way through. I think would work so well um, as like a different take on the genre. Um, And also just like Simon Pegg's um, comedic style, I think, is kind of similar to the writing in this movie where he's not understated with his jokes. His jokes are always like in this movie. People don't always respond to his jokes, but he always makes them unapologetically like he just I, I don't know. I If you've seen any Simon Pegg movie, you know what his comedic as style is, but he'll just like burst out with a joke and people will sort of like give him a look and then, you know, move on. But it works for him. And I think he would have done an I loved the guy that acted in this movie. I personally think he did a really good job. But I also think if this was a Cornetta trilogy movie or Cornetta quadrology, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> um, I think you I think they would do a really good job with this. Oh my god. Okay, I love that. Okay. You're you're right in the way that they're similar. Simon Pegg and Brent Butt are similar in the way they just like say the jokes no matter what. But I feel like in the Cornetto trilogy, like the rest of the cast is is like on the same level or at least a similar level mm. of of comedy and comedic styles as Simon Pegg, especially Nick Frost. But I don't feel like um, anyone in this cast was like playing it that way like they they know it's a comedy obviously but uh, they're playing it serious and to have like the one dude who's like cracking jokes in this like fully serious movie I think you're absolutely right would have worked better if like everyone was kind of like making yes. those kind of jokes even if they don't respond to each other uh, if if Simon Pegg isn't the only one doing that and I think the um, Cornetto trilogy, what they also do really great uh, in terms of comedy and and what works with that style of of dialogue and that that style of funny um, um, writing is they pair it with equally funny uh, visuals. So they make a lot of visual gags. Edgar Wright, the director of uh, the movies, uh, loves making like visual jokes and not just dialogue heavy jokes and I feel like that paired with the dialogue jokes would have been so good Mm, I agree actually um I mean I've already said how much I really liked Brent Butt in this role but I am just now realizing I think you're right I don't think any of the other actors did it for me in this movie I think he was kind of the reason why I liked this movie and I think it would have really made the movie better if maybe some of the other roles were other comedy actors, um, not like over the top or anything, but um, maybe some other people that would kind of play into the silliness of the movie instead of taking it so seriously. I actually really agree with that. Yeah. Um, and and we know um, from Schitt's Creek that Dustin Milligan, who plays uh, uh, Danny, he can be like very funny, but I don't, think that they were trying to be funny and trying to be on level with Brent Butt and trying to be as silly as he was being because it seemed like in 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 every scene Brent Butt was 
making these jokes, doing these bits, and he was like nudging you really hard in the ribs and saying, are you seeing that I'm making a joke? Hey, I'm making a joke. Are you, hey, are you listening to me? I'm making a joke. And it's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, Mr. Butt, I I hear you. I'm just not, like, I hear you, like, like, my ears are cleaned out. I hear you making jokes. Just not laughing, dude. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) He was, like, very in your face about the fact that he was making jokes. And I'm like, yeah, I see you. Um, But, yeah. Do we have any other uh, thoughts or other improvements about this movie? I have one more and we've kind of covered it a little bit. And I think this is one that you will really agree with. This is okay. So my big plus for this movie, what I really enjoyed was the writing, the jokes and the acting. What I thought could have been improved was the reveal and the ending, <laughs> which I think you're going to agree with. Um, the stock trading thing had to watch that scene like three times to understand it. Um, but like once you kind of understand it, I get it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, you know, makes sense. It's, a, it's convoluted and you got to know a bit about the stock market to like under prop, like properly get what they were trying to do. But the main thing I would have changed about the ending, A, like not have the reveal have so much to do about the stock market. Um, but also the reveal of the ex-girlfriend Reese being the real killer, I don't think was impactful enough. It would it felt more like just sort of a tacked on scene being like, actually, it wasn't Shit's Creek. It was this girl being the big, you know, the person that killed Miles. Um, I thought that I mean, the movie is, I think, an hour and a half long. I think they could have made it an hour 40 out of 45 um, and just tacked on like an extra 10 minutes where he has where Leo um, has to sort of live with and figure out that, oh, wait, Schitt's Creek isn't the guy that killed Miles. So now who actually is it? and have him kind of have the the wheels turning in his mind and whatever. And even if he doesn't figure it out in the end, um, there is a fantastic line at the end of this movie where Kyra is like praising Leo being like, wow, I can't believe you figured out this like whole big convoluted plan. You figured out the mystery. Um, everything except everything except the murder or something like that. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the one important detail he didn't get right was who the murder was. Um, but I think they should have spent more time time kind of building up the fact that Schitt's Creek wasn't the guy who killed Miles um, just because I felt it was a little quick to be like it's Schitt's Creek nope never mind it's not him it's actually this one girl and you're like well okay and then the reveal of the ex-girlfriend being the real killer lasted like two seconds um, because she's like it's me and Leo's like oh no and then she gets taken <laughs> down and the movie ends I think that could have been stretched out over another 10-15 minutes to make it a little bit more dramatic yeah okay totally agree with all of that especially just like making the uh, the reveals and the actual mystery like easier to follow because it <laughs> just like wasn't and to add on to the thing about um the you know just like kind of expanding on on some of their ideas I feel like the movie did a lot of telling and not very much showing like okay at the beginning um as after in the scene right after Kyra goes to his office and says my brother's dead and he's like okay I guess I'll be the PI now uh he goes and talks to Packer from the office and he's like dude this girl just came into my thing and into my office and 
she thought I was a PI. I guess I have to be a PI now. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just watched that scene. Um, <laughs> so so they do a lot of telling. And I feel like, um, especially in that scene at the beginning, they there could have been so many ways of him showing that, showing us that he's not a PI and, and all of that. Uh, like maybe at the beginning, instead of telling his friend afterwards that the girl came into the wrong office, we could have seen beforehand um, a scene of him just being in his office and then the actual P.I. from across the hall comes in and he's like, oh, hey, Leo, I'm going to be out this week. I got a job in another city that I, I got to go like do some surveillance or something for a client. Uh, can you water the plants in my office for the next week? And Leo's like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. No, no problem. And then Leo is actually in his office. And then that's when Kyra comes in and that's how she mistakes him for the PI because he's in the PI's office watering his plants. Um, and then that I feel like that would be more um it would make more sense than her being like, oh, yeah, I knew that you weren't the P.I. I'm like, OK, like it does make sense. But like that extra layer of, oh, I understand now why why she thought he was a P.I. because he's literally in the guy's office. Um, I feel like they could have like, you know, uh, showed us more and instead of telling us literally what's happening even though okay so here's the thing i wish they would have showed us more but also would have told us more about what's happening because i didn't understand but like also (laughs) but also showing us just made it easier to understand i think is what i'm getting at Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is true i do agree and one more thing about the pi that i wish happened is that i kind of wanted the actual detective like if he was actually mistaken for the detective and he was in his office or something it would have been so good if the actual pi uh came back like halfway through the movie just like stir shit up and maybe he's like telling leo i have doubts about this girl because i'm literally a pi and she seems (laughs) sus to me you know just like because i feel like it was like a chekhov's gun that didn't go off like the whole reason that they're Mm. brought together is because she thinks that he's a pi and we never see the real pi you know? Yeah, this is a good point. They they mention like on an offline that, oh, the PI is off on vacation or on like a, a long uh, job or something. So he's not here the whole movie. And that's why everyone keeps mistaking him for the PI because his office is right across the hall. Um, I know at least when I was watching this, I was really glad that there was no big review. I I I cannot like explain in words to you how much I hate like reveal scenes um (laughs) where someone has been hiding something the whole time it like the amount of like cringe that seeps out of my body (laughs) is like too much for me to physically handle for someone like you know there have been you know the movie. There's like 10 of them every year that's like, I someone mistook me as um, you know, their their date, or someone mistook me as whoever, and um, you know, they had to sort of go with it. And there's always a scene, and you know, those are good stories, but the specific scene where they all they never tell it. They always like try to be like, uh, uh, and they never say it. And it's always they get found out it's like you were never the person I thought you were and like I trusted you and they have to be like no give me another chance 
I <laughs> hate those things. <laughs> I cannot handle the amount of like just secondhand embarrassment I get for every character is like I get full body like chills watching those scenes because I cannot take the embarrassment (laughs) and I was so glad that this movie he didn't have to be like I'm I'm sorry I never told you I wasn't a PI because that would have like like broken me (laughs) um so I was just uh so overjoyed that she was like yeah I knew you weren't a PI the whole time so I was like thank god that scene didn't happen in this movie but with that said (laughs) I do agree with what you uh just said that if the PI had come back and not done one of those scenes being like I'm the real PI or whatever but just sort of had um I don't know, a couple scenes that um, not exposed Leo in any way, because again, I can't handle any scene like that. Um, But just sort of like stirred the pot for him. Maybe he has to like, uh, anytime the PI is like talking about maybe being a PI, he has to like kind of shut him up in some way or whatever, or just like something. Uh, Yeah, maybe the PI is like helping him in the case. Maybe he knows that would have added like a cool layer to the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with those um secondhand embarrassment <laughs> um cringeworthy scenes. But uh yeah, even if he just came back and then at some point um Kyra's like, Oh yeah, Leo the private investigator has been helping me. He just kinda looks over at Leo like Leo the private investigator <laughs> and Leo's like looking at him like, just do this for me, man, please. <laughs> and <laughs> And he's like, right, you know, I love, you know, asking Leo to private investigate for me. He knows all the tips and all the tricks. Leo, why don't you tell me, like, one of your favorite, you yes. know, jobs that you've ever... And he's just, like, kind of, like, um, um, ribbing him a little bit about <laughs> about it. And, and I don't know, maybe he can, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Packer, the character... Okay, Packer from The Office is, like... Uh, Leo's best friend um, character in this movie and he's the one sort of always uncovering information Leo's like I need you to figure out this for me I need you to figure out this for me imagine if we cut Packer as a character um, and we could still have Packer the actor but have him as the PI that came back now so Leo is the one who is sort of getting all the credit he's the one being like please just do this for me man this girl is really hot I really just want to pretend to be her PI and <laughs> role play for a night you know um and then he's like fine I'll help you out man maybe he's friends with the PI they can still have that buddy relationship um so instead of the best friend character that Packer plays in this movie where he somehow has access to figure out all these sort of random uh, uh, things. It's the real PI doing his real PI job, um, figuring out all these things going on behind the scene. I think that would have worked really well. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And then they have that little uh, um, buddy relationship where it's like, I know you're not a real PI. And he's like teasing (laughs) her, teasing him uh, in front of her all the time. Um, yeah, just like, just like, you know, to zhuzh it up a little bit, you know, just to like bring some more of that comedy um, into the movie. Agreed. So I think that's all that we had to say about this movie in our notes. 
I'm very excited to see what the internet thought about this movie, whose side they take in this <laughs> war, civil war, Batman v Superman, Ashley v Amy. In oh, man. <laughs> what, what do people think about this? What did the internet think about this movie? Well, um, just to give you guys a point of reference, IMDb gave this a 5.5 out of 10. So like kind of in the middle, kind of neutral. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 33, and the audience gave it a 51. So not like a, a super big range, so it's like a 3 to a 5 range. And let's, yeah, let's dive into some of these um, IMDb and Letterboxd reviews. So we have two IMDb reviews here. The first is by user Pessimistius, uh, who gave it a 3 out of 10, and their tagline is, unless you're stones, don't bother. Blah. Predictable cheese fest. If you just want something to fall asleep to without missing anything, sure, this will work. Otherwise, don't bother wasting your time on this. Limited storyline, obvious outcome, no thinking involved. Apparently my review doesn't contain enough lines. Well, neither does this movie. Go read a book or something. This really is just fodder. I mean, it's not so bad. I would copy it to another drive because deleting it just wasn't enough. It's just paste. Glue something or paint something and watch it dry. Same effects, really. I was happily drinking myself to sleep in this <laughs> and this movie couldn't keep the attention of an ADD squirrel. Eat more nuts. They're good for you. Exclamation point. <laughs> well, <laughs> Got a little keep, health tip. I have never left an IMDb review before, which is weird because we have a podcast literally reviewing movies. Um, but we keep seeing reviews like this being like, I I I don't have enough lines to fill out this IMDb review. But I've also seen reviews with like one line being like, bad, don't watch. <laughs> so what is the truth? Yeah, IMDb is like holding these people hostage until they write at least 10 lines uh, in their reviews. Ooh, okay. The second user um, it went a completely different direction. It's by user caster underscore B, and they gave it a 9 out of 10. And their tagline is hysterical, but only if you like Corner Gas, the show. <clears throat> All right, listen up. Or read up because you're reading and since you can read that should mean your ability to process words is working that's actually a good start this is a very funny movie and no brent butt is not going to win any acting awards but his delivery as an unsophisticated but clever and novelty salesman mistaken for a dick is perfect amy smart as the damsel with more to her story is the perfect straight man to leo's bumbling and i liked catcher and his friend as a funny soundboard and for fans of corner gas Brent's other half is funny and very Wanda-esque. And for those who aren't Corner Gas fans, don't watch. <laughs> Your sense of humor isn't properly suited for this film. I mean, well, true. <laughs> we got a true West Side story here, folks. <laughs> From uh, both sides of the tracks. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see if Letterboxd has anything to um to kind of sway our opinion one way or another. Okay. Okay. So we have four letterbox reviews for today. The first one is by George the Beast. Um amazing username by the way. Uh who gave it 3 stars out of 5 and George the Beast says, "Now, I can understand the Canadian jokes in How I Met Your Mother." Exclamation. Also, oh, yeah. I love Canada. 
Um, the um, second review is by G, who gave it one and a half stars. Silly weirdo Canadian movie. Why can't you just be good? <laughs> oh, no. The third review is by Wildest Penfield, who also gave it three stars out of five. If you've ever sung the old song to yourself that goes, and then in brackets, I think... I like Brent Butt and I cannot lie. And if you've always wanted to see him play exactly the same character he plays on Corner Gas, but transplanted into a neo-noir mystery, you will be pleased to learn that this succeeds on precisely that level. Wow. (laughs) And the fourth and last review from Letterboxd for today is by Dave, who gave it two stars. Nice concept, occasionally funny, but it tries to nudge-nudge isn't this funny? A bit too much. The throwaway lines tend to be much funnier. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. He just kind of is very in your face about uh, telling you he's telling a joke. That's it. That's all the reviews we have today. That's fair. Those are, I mean, <laughs> like I said, I feel like uh, we've got some on Team Ash, some on Team Amy. Um <laughs> I mean, we both have positive and negatives um, for this movie. But now we've heard what the internet has to say about this movie. It is finally time to put our money where our mouth is, put a number to this movie ourselves. We're going to be rating this movie on our sort of bad movie scale. So a 10 out of 10 is not exactly a perfect film. It's just pretty good for a bad movie. And a 1 out of 10 is so bad I could barely watch it. I think I know what you're going to say, but what would you give this movie, Amy? (laughs) I, okay, well, here's the thing. I've seen this movie. uh, It's called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it's much better. (laughs) And I feel like RDJ and Val Kilmer had a lot more chemistry uh, and Michelle Monaghan than uh, Brent Butt and anybody in this movie. And I feel like their jokes just... Uh, kind of went a lot better with each other's and, and it felt like they were listening and, and all that. I do love the premise. I do love these like mistaken identity, uh, miscommunication plot lines. But I don't know, maybe I expected too much from it. Maybe I just like wasn't um, too invested in the corner gas style of comedy. I really like applaud Brent Butt for doing uh, acting, producing, and writing. That's like triple threat right there. But I don't know, it kind of fell a little flat for me. So I'm going to say I did find it entertaining at some parts. But overall, I give it like maybe a three, maybe a four. Uh, how about a three and a half? Okay, that's, that is fair. I do agree. If you liked this movie, I think... Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has a very similar premise and is actually a lot better <laughs> than this. And if you didn't like this movie, great. Watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as well because it's really good. Um, and it's got the same sort of uh, vibes as this one. Um, that said, I really like this movie <laughs> like a lot. Um, the jokes like, yeah, I, I agree that the chemistry maybe in this movie could have been a lot better if they had other comedic actors working in tandem with Brent Butt. Um, just someone for him to bounce his 
jokes off of instead of him just sort of talking to himself, I think would have worked better. And, you know, all the things that we mentioned about uh, changes to the script, the characters, I think would have worked to really improve this movie. That said, though, that said, I really liked it. <laughs> God, like, I really like this movie on its own. I'm going to give it like a mad high score. I'm going to give it like a nine. Um, Damn, dude. I was laughing like nonstop this entire movie. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I don't think we've given uh, a nine to just anyone before. So if anyone in the audience is like, I don't know if I should watch it after all that shit Amy said about it. Well, I mean, give it a try because a nine is pretty good in our books. Yeah, it's honestly okay. It's one of my favorite movies we watched this season. And that's a big, that's some big shoes to fill. And it does have its problems as we've gone over. But just, it was so enjoyable to watch, at least for me. Like, I would watch it again. It's family friendly. You can watch it with your parents, your siblings. Not like in a, you know, in in a Disney Channel style way. It's just, you know, it's not overly crude or anything. I really liked it. I guess yeah. it accomplished um, being fun enough for the fun season, though. I'm really glad, though. That's that's yeah. good. And I guess you know we'll have to we'll have to uh, we'll call a truce. We'll have to put our differences <laughs> aside. This episode, there may have been a bit of a war going on. I don't think we've ever disagreed this much on a movie before. Yeah. Oh my God, I just realized something though. Your mom's name is Martha, and my mom's name is Martha also. <laughs> And so I think I think we can be the best of friends right now. Um, so thank wow. God for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, wow. I can't believe you just figured that out. All our differences are literally put aside now. I I mean, we've got to be best friends now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's I, nothing yeah. else to say. I was literally going to kill you. I'm sure you were going to kill me. But good damn thing <laughs> that uh, our moms have the same name. <laughs> And if any of you in the audience have uh, seen this movie and have thoughts on it, or if you have other fun movies for us to do during our fun season, season three, uh, you can always hit us up on Twitter or Letterboxd. We're at BMS Podcast, or you can shoot us an email at badmoviesundaypodcast at gmail.com. And as always, a big thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme song. The song is Riptide, and you can find it on his website, incompetech.filmmusic.io. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. We have been Bad Movie Sunday, and we will see you next, next week.